What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and music is for the people. We at Rockstrikes10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels or hopefully the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, it is now time for part two of six of the top 60 albums of 1991 right here. Let's just jump right into it. Coming in at number 50, uh, a guy I'm a decent fan of. Uh, this is not my favorite album by him. That would be the one that followed this one up. But this is a pretty damn good record, too. Shout out to my friend Steve. I know he's a big fan of this record. Matthew Sweet's Girlfriend, released October 22nd, 1991. I feel like on the last episode I said October a lot, and this is no exception. Uh, I guess, you know, just getting that push out for the last quarter for Christmas. But co-produced by Matthew Sweet and former Scritty Politty member Fred Mayer. There's a fun fact for you. Randy Brown, do you a Scritty Politty guy at all? Anyway, all right. Are you a Matthew Sweet guy at all? I'm sure you've seen him live like four times, even if you're not a fan. Uh, but yeah, I love me some power pop, and Matthew Sweet definitely has his finger on the pulse of classic power pop. Girlfriend was definitely a big breakthrough album for him. He got some MTV and radio play out of it with the title track. Uh, I'll skip that one over, even though that is a great song with some great harmony on there. And we're going to go with this one right here. What would power pop be without songs about girls in the title? And this one's no exception. So here you go from the Girlfriend album. This is Matthew Sweet with Evangeline.
Kicking off the show here today, the number 50 album, Matthew Sweet, the girlfriend album. That was Evangeline from that particular album. Hope you enjoyed that. Nice little kickoff track there. And much like I did on the last part, I'm going to get into some hip-hop right here. Like I said, hip-hop was absolutely at its creative peak in 1991, and it would never be better than that. Uh, like I said, there are some really cool, interesting albums that were made in 1991, and I think the album concept just went away completely from the genre after this. Further proof with a record like the debut from Leaders of the New School and the album A Future Without a Past. It came out on July 2nd, 1991. I remember watching the OMTV Raps because I would watch it more often than not uh, preceding Headbangers Ball every Saturday. And this is where my taste comes from, honestly. So yeah, back in that day. And I remember seeing them on the show, and that was definitely the first time I saw this act. And, you know, if you didn't know, Leaders of the New School definitely made a star out of Busta Rhymes, who, of course, had a huge career in music and acting later on. Uh, so, which is kind of the thing to do if you're in hip-hop, you know? So that's one thing that hip-hop has over rock and roll, is the ultimate pivot into television and movies. Because that genre, the limitations on it, make it really not an old man's game in a sense like you have to be youthful and really hungry to be in that genre uh, making records tour and, and and you know the hustle as they say so to me it makes all the sense in the world these guys all became actors even someone as hard as ice cube or ice t or anybody else you know buster rhymes so but uh, sorry i'm getting off on a different sidebar i really like this leaders of the new school album uh, just little things, like I talk about the sampling and how they made interesting records. This record and another record I'll spotlight on a future episode coming up here really has that whole thing where the album feels like kind of like a show, a movie or whatever. There's a lot of skits in between, and it's like they're leaders of the new school, so they're at a school. So there's always like first period, second period, and I love that even just the bell and the kids yelling, uh, it's definitely from the end of School's Out, so I always pop for that every time I hear it. Just little things like that. Uh, but real intelligence here. Uh, and with a name like Leaders of the New School, you should definitely bring the intelligence. Uh, but yeah, once again, like I said, I like this record. Future Without a Past, the big single off of this was Case of the PTA. Uh, but I'm going to go with this one, really because it's just so odd and bizarre. I feel like it captures the real spirit of the album. And even lifting a melody off of an old jazz song, which you'll hear. Uh, the morphing of jazz into hip-hop was huge in the early 90s. And you'll hear it here, even just in this little bit right here. But here you go, this is Leaders of the New School with Case of the Zeekers. Yo, this ain't my period for nothing anyway. This ain't your period for nothing? Yo, 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 forget all that, yo. Yo, you gotta, you need a quarter. Yo, you want a quarter? Yo, yo, you gotta kill that noise, boy. Manila on your paper, it's the bread with a cracker jack caper. Now who said that I was off on my own? I did a flip on flip to a brontosaurus bone. Here goes the edible eats, cause I eat sweets, not steaks or meats. I got styles, styles, get it honey child, in it to win it, go miles and miles through the speaker. Silver paprika, it's the sounds of the seekers. Oh, golly G, bumblebee, ring around the rosy, a pocket full of hosey to hit, hop, scooby doo watch, watch the jaws drop, let the sun set, stop. My friend to the end Chucky wasn't lucky So here's your end friend I test the chef Ate broccoli and rice The newest to the new Not the old spice 
mind over matter. It's got a two-scoop loop, Betty Crocker made the batter. Porn decks to flex the track by Buster with a little bit of soul from the Cracker Jack store. Still at will. Fulfilled of the skill for the deal by the jack. Miss Fighter Mojo, swing low string. Sing along as I bring along with a song. Sedated by the mate, man, he might know. Yo, gotta go, gotta, gotta go. So, sun and off, but the end ain't yet. Stick around, cause the Zika got the sound. Creepers, creepers, it's the sound of the Zika. Creepers, creepers, it's the sound of the Zika. Now we'll let it feel like a track. Leaders of the new school, what a first pack. Blown with this groovy track. Welcome to the sound of the Zika, cause now you're trapped. Taste this lyrical bliss to the brain. Shout now, here, there's no shame in my game. Let me be a remedy, man. So, taste this feel for an hour later crave A vocalist sound that you have to obey Shine now and drop a cool later or here on the scene Sounds of the Zika is not a dream On the out there on the update I'm simply teaching and representing Triple H On the negative and the positive Pass me why, that's my prerogative I just ghetto, look ghetto Came from the ghetto, but now I got 11 with the flow I ride up on the bottom, going straight to the top When I'm old and gray, bring on the hip-hop pop I'm crossing the line, heading for the border Need a cup of water Taller than gremlins The lakes are tremblings Nineties of the years On the rubble just Take it on witches And throw them in ditches If you're front of this You'll just get stitches Down with the rubble till And I love the hit skins Should I begin Trendset by friends Geronimo Not an animal A dance cannibal On the dance floor I'm willing and able to freak And seek And I'm out I'm out I'm out Now this is called a weed Pondy virgin But there's one thing They want to understand I want to come in And me And I still on for time They want to move away So I'm moving no bottom to the 
Leaders of the new school checking in right there, making their appearance in class with Case of the Zeekers from their album Future Without a Past, their debut album, only one of two albums they would ever do. I, I failed to reference that the thing that really boosted their career was appearing on Tribe Called Quest scenario this same year. So you might be hearing from Tribe Called Quest later on in this countdown. Of course you will. But let's move on to some desert rock. I mean... Geez, was Desert Rock invented in 1991 by this band? I don't know. I'm sure there's other albums and acts that preceded this band, but I feel like just as a casual observer over the years, this is the band that really put their stamp on it and said, we are from you know Arizona and we are Desert Rock. <laughs> you know, like they obviously, I'm sure, did not say that. But yeah, whatever you want to call it, hard rock, stoner rock, desert rock, whatever. Caius is definitely probably the definitive band of said genres. Uh, John Garcia, Josh Hame, Brant Bjork, Nick Oliveri. Of course, half of those guys would go on to start Queens of the Stone Age later on. But before that, they had a band called Caius. I first started hearing about them, you know, via Headbangers Ball and Metal Edge. I know Rob Halford was a real early supporter of them, you know, living in Arizona and hearing about them. Uh, but yeah, they put out their first full-length album, an album called Wretch, uh, on September 23rd of 1991, produced by the band and Catherine Enney and Ron Crown. Uh, an album that I did not buy at the time, but I definitely purchased probably about a decade later working at the CD warehouse. But yeah, I dig the record. It's really cool. So uh, definitely check it out if you never heard it. Or, of course, if you're a massive Queens of the Stone Age fan and somehow you haven't heard Caius, which is weird now at this point because you've had a few years to get on it. Uh, but here you go from the Wretch album. This is Caius with Love Has Passed Me By. Turn it up.
right, some Caius right there, bringing it, kicking that ass. Love it. All right, moving on here to another kick-ass album. This album actually is from a Seattle band, and this album was produced by Butch Vig, yet it is not a Nirvana album. It's much better. Yes, Eight-Way Santa by Tad. Man, these guys got jobbed out so bad. It's not even limited to the hipster side of things, because like one i remember one of their songs got cut out of the single soundtrack and this album we're going to talk about came in at number 31 it says here on the notes on rolling stone's top 50 grunge albums of all time it also got jobbed out of the whatever never mind podcast so uh cameron crow and Baco are not friends of tad no i'm just kidding i love you Baco. i, I don't know about cameron crow he's he's a little suspect with me but anyway yes eight way santa by tad Killer record right here. Uh, Tad is a band you should know. If you're any kind of fan of this old grunge music, uh, you know, it's Tad and the Melvins if you really want to hear the best bands of the scene and that genre. In my opinion, you know, a little bit heavier, not as much commercial potential, which is, you know, their downfall, unfortunately. But I think it's a killer record. This album, Way Santa, came out on February 15th, aw, the day after Valentine's Day. And I'm sure the original album cover photo was actually taken on Valentine's Day. It's so sweet. Uh, but yeah, like I said, Butch Vig on the knobs right here and this other guy on the knob on the cover photo. Okay, enough about the photo. <laughs> Let's get to the meat here. Let's get to the music. Big beefy rock from Big Beefy Guys. Here is Tad with Giant Killer. <laughs>
This is probably the moment on the countdown where I need to preface and do my little asterisk saying, honestly, if I'd have had that record in my hand in my stereo in 1991, that would probably be in the top 20 because that's a, that's a great record. It really is. I've only had a few years with that record, so I don't have the nostalgia for it. But man, that's a damn good record. So yes, Eight Way Santa by Tad. Go check it out. I remember the first time I think I ever heard Tad. Had to be, for sure, on one of my favorite, favorite 90s soundtracks of all time, Brain Scan. All right, further listening. Uh, moving on here. I'll figure out where we are in the countdown number-wise after this song, which makes sense that I lost my mind, because this is definitely an album to lose your mind to. Uh, this album was released on August 13th, 1991, it was actually this band's major label debut, even though they've been kicking around for years. It was actually the first real major band that Mike Patton was a part of prior to him getting the job in Faith No More, replacing Chuck Mosley. So via all that and the uh, somehow out of nowhere, pun intended, success of Faith No More, he was able to actually get his old band, Mr. Bungle, a deal with Warner Brothers. And I'm sure they regretted it almost instantly, but no, hey. I, I love the Mr. Bungle albums on Warner, Ipecac, or otherwise. I never actually got my hands on the earlier albums, like OU818 and stuff like that. But uh, someday, someday. But yes, like I said, this came out on August 13th, 1991, produced by John Zorn, a favorite of Logan's, longtime friend of the show, Logan. Yes, John Zorn produced this album, and it sounds like it. Uh, but yes, the self-titled album here by Mr. Bungle. And uh, yeah, what to play, because <laughs> it's all weird. Uh, I was tempted to go with uh, Squeeze Me Macaroni or Egg and just some other titles I wanted to reference here. But I'm going to go with this one. Like I said, you really can't sell this album, I think, to people who aren't in on it, you know, that want to listen to it. So I'm just going to play something off it. So here you go. This is Mr. Bungle with the Girls of Porn.
Coming in at number 46 on the top 60 albums of 1991, that was Mr. Bungle with their self-titled major label debut right there. Hope you enjoyed that. And uh, let's move over to label mates at the time of Mr. Bungle. Yeah. And 45 is a fitting number because I have a lot of 45s by this band. That's, that's the best segue I can give you. This album came out on June 17th of 1991. Took over a year to record, and it sounds like it. It's a very labored album, not one of my favorites by one of my all-time favorite bands, Van Halen. Yes, for unlawful carnal knowledge. Do the breakdown. For unlawful carnal knowledge. Yes, yes, we all get the joke. The joke is 30 years old. It's older than 30 years. But, yes, this album was co-produced by Andy John, Ted Templeman, and the band Van Halen. And uh, honestly, this gets the 45 position. This is as high as I can make it, honestly, because if I was going strictly by the points and not just using them as a guide, like a reference to make these countdowns, uh, it would honestly be a little lower here on the top albums of 1991. But they're on here, so they should be grateful. Like I said, obviously I'm not a big fan of this record. I like a few songs on it. Uh, I think Spanked might be the worst Van Halen song that Gary Sharon didn't sing on. 
it's just kind of boring. Like, you know, like I like Pound Cake, but yeah, the lyrics blow. Judgment Day is definitely probably one of my favorites off of this. Or Run Around, you know, it's okay, I guess. It's just okay at best. So, hey, enough bashing it. Let's play a fun song off of it. Probably the overall favorite for me on this album. Like I said, Judgment Day is a favorite because it's probably the heaviest one on there. And I do like that song. I've played it on the show before a couple of times, actually. So I'm going to go with this one. This one always reminded me of Jump. And now I realize that the opening riff is the exact same lick that Eddie uses during the fade out in Jump. So there you go. (laughs) I had a light bulb moment with that like years ago, probably about 15 years ago. And then almost right after that, the Best of Both Worlds two-disc set came out, if you guys know about that one, the one with the new Sammy songs on it. And they totally know this. They trolled it. So they played Jump somewhere along, I think, the second disc. It's Jump, and then it goes right into this song right here. So here you go. And I'm taking the audio from said Best Of. So here is Van Halen with Top of the World. Top of the World, Ma! We'll be right back. 
Hey, hey, baby, I wanna know. Okay, sorry. Got a little carried away there, but yeah, there's another song that I hear in that song. Anyway, but I do like me some Top of the World. It makes you feel good inside, doesn't it? Yes. From the album For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, Van Halen right there. Van Hagar, if you will. I like them both. I love Roth. I really, really like Sammy. Okay. Coming in at number 44 is a favorite of hard rock and metal fans for the most part in 1991. Uh, and an album, much like For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge, was uh, definitely a big letdown for me. The people seem to really love this album, and I've struggled with it its entire existence. Like a handful of songs on it. Uh, the production is great, don't get me wrong. Uh, I gotta say, yeah, co-produced by Dwayne Barron and John Purdell put together an amazing sounding record for sure. I just don't dig the material overall, but there there are a few scorchers on here. Talking about Ozzy Osbourne's No More Tears, came out on September 17th, 1991, had the unfortunate luck of coming out the exact same day as Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. And I actually recently heard Jim Florentine on his Metal Midget show on Ozzy's Boneyard on Sirius XM. Really great show, by the way. So he, he tells this story about Ozzy's doing a signing for the record in New York, but at the same time, everybody's standing in line at Tower to get the Guns N' Roses album. So, like, the turnout wasn't huge, respectable, but not huge. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, I would have gone to the signing, of course. You can always buy that album there, too. Like, it makes no sense. Okay, but... But yeah, fun story there. Cool story, for sure. Uh, but yeah, like I said, not a big No More Tears guy. I actually really dig the title track. I think it's one of his best songs. It's really cool and trippy and epic. And, you know, Zach's playing ground. Everybody's playing great on this, by the way. Bob Daisley, who doesn't get enough credit for this record and probably wrote a good amount of the lyrics, like he always did. And uh, Randy Castillo, the late, great Randy Castillo, just killing it on the drums. I mean... Dude, the way this album opens with the band just scorching and Randy just going crazy on the drums on Mr. Tinker Train, right, right there. The music is amazing. That is a stupid-ass song. The lyrics suck. It's just, I, I hate that song. Like, I love the music. I hate the lyrics. So much I can barely listen to the song. I, I want an instrumental mix of that song because it's, it's fucking fire. But the lyrics suck. Okay. Whew. All right, let's get that out of my system. I feel better. Uh, I've, I like Hellraiser, but I like it better in Lemmy's hands. I know it's a hip thing to say, but Motorhead's version destroys this version. And yes, I realize that Lemmy co-wrote a lot of the songs on this album as well. And good for him. Lemmy got a lot of nice paychecks out of this album. Yeah, as general as it is, I like I Don't Want to Change a World. That's definitely a standout, like I said, the title track. So uh, the middle section of this album is really strong, and uh, this one precedes Hellraiser. And it's this is a weird song because it, it was originally called S.I.N. And now it's called Won't Be Coming Home, S.I.N. in parentheses. I, I don't understand any of that. Like, there's a lot of things that I don't understand about this record sometimes. But I, I really dig this song. And when I went back and listened to this album and tried to give it yet another fair shot, uh, not to much avail, this song really stood out for me. So I'm going to use it here to spotlight the album. So here's definitely a favorite track from the No More Tears album from Joey over here. This is Ozzy Osbourne with S.I.N.
All right, coming in at number 44 of the top 60 albums of 1991, and an upset for some of you. I apologize to my friends of the show who love that album. You're not wrong. It's not wrong to have an opinion. So my little asterisk and olive branch right there. But that was S.I.N., Won't Be Coming Home, whatever you want to call it, from No More Tears. Great song right there. And, you know, maybe I sound hypocritical because it's like, I like Ultimate Sin and No Rest of the Wicked more. But, you know, yeah, the lyrics on that album, most of them are not great. But at the same time, they have more of the older 80s feel Ozzy to it. Like those songs maybe could have been on Bark at the Moon. You, you know what I'm saying? This one was like, this is Ozzy's farewell album at the time, quote unquote. And, you know, it's a mature album and we're writing deeper kind of songs because I just don't want to write devil songs anymore. So there's that perception, whether you like it or don't like it. And I was kind of like, I, I'm not sure. We'll just see how it sounds at the time. And, you know, man, yeah, obviously Mama, I'm Coming Home is a good song. But, man, I never need to hear that song again. So it, it's a lot of it's that. There's three fucking ballads on this thing. And Ozzy does do great ballads and has in the past. But three fucking ballads, seriously, spread them out. Like, you know, Axel didn't put November Rain on Appetite for Destruction. And he had it then. More on that later. Okay. So coming in at number 43, it's time for some new blood right here. A band that I have no nostalgia for, but it's one of those things where bands I've listened to over the years were influenced by this band. And, uh, you know, I'm not any kind of authority on this kind of indie pop, dream pop, shoegaze, whatever you want to call it. But I recognize the greatness of Slow Dive. You know, not song-oriented so much as melody-oriented. So, is you know, stick with your strength and the kind of songs you can put together. So it's kind of a minimalism thing, but I really dig it. And my listen on this album, an album that I probably maybe even heard once or twice, working at CD Warehouse, if that. This was Slow Dive's debut album called Just For A Day. British band, by the way. Not that they sing with any kind of accent, but uh, it came out on September 2nd, 1991. Co-produced by Neil Halstead and Chris Hufford. Uh, but yeah, I just, it's an experience. It's something different. It's something I don't play every day on Rock Strikes 10, but bands that I do dig uh, from down the road, like Hum and Nothing and bands like that, definitely took some influence from this band. So I recognize it. Uh, so yeah, here you go. If this is your first Slow Dive song, I wanted to pick one that I thought represented them well. And I like it. I think it's kind of a, a beautiful song, if you will. So here's Slow Dive with The Ballad of Sister Sue.
All right, Slow Dive right there, coming in at number 43 of the top albums of 1991. Ballad of Sister Sue from the album Just for a Day. Not just for one day. I think I said it right the first time. Okay. All right, moving over to a classic act right here once again. Coming in at number 42 uh, is this band's eighth studio album, released July 2nd, 1991. Co-produced by Jeff Lynne, Tom Petty, and Mike Campbell. You can probably figure out what this one is. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers into the Great Wide Open. Now, of the initial Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers run, so it's the end of an era for two big reasons. One, Stan Lynch leaves the band pretty much after this, uh, you know, in the sense of he gets ousted from the band. And also there's the Greatest Hits album to finish out the contract with MCA. Uh, this is probably, and I haven't graded these album by album or anything and gone back, but as far as my memory and nostalgia and personal preference, this is probably my least favorite of the initial Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers albums. And there's some good songs. I, I say this every time where I'm like, it's not my favorite, but it's got some good songs. That's just kind of where we are here on this countdown. And it should be a runaway thing. You know, Jeff Lynn producing Tom Petty. He did the Full Moon Fever album. I honestly believe that the Full Moon Fever album, and, and in the opinion of others too, like that was definitely the peak of the collaboration between Tom and Jeff. Uh, and even like, you know, the future collaboration they did with the Highway Companion album, I wasn't a big fan of that either. So that's just how I feel. Uh, but, you know, there's some songs on here I definitely would put on a comp of like personal favorite Tom Petty songs for sure. I mean, Learning to Fly is undeniable. In the Great White Open is okay. I don't like it a lot. It's super overplayed, but I never really liked it so much in the first place. Honestly, I just I just really didn't. Video's fine. You know, I get it. Uh, but this one, man, people should know this song. It's awesome. Yes, uh, also for its inclusion in multiple WWF Bret Hart vignettes. But this song is awesome. It's a great rock and roll song that should have done a lot better at rock radio in general. It's one of those things that doesn't have a video. Should have just had a cool live video to go with it. That's how I feel. But Or maybe like some sort of journey. Cast a, a really young Tom Petty that wants to, you know, be a rock star that sees the Beatles on TV, like that kind of thing. That's a video I could definitely get behind. Simple, but effective. But here you go. I think, you know, if you're a fan of this record, you know what song I'm talking about. So turn it up. This is Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, along with some good help from the legendary Jeff Lynne. This is Making Some Noise. And make your own noise with this. Go ahead. I never give in 
best Tom Petty screams on that song right there of all time. Make it some noise from Into the Great Wide Open. Hope you enjoyed that. And closing off the show here tonight, coming in at number 41, uh, the aforementioned Use Your Illusion 2 by Guns N' Roses. Yes, I am ranking these albums individually. Of course I am. They were sold individually. Uh, They were never released together unless you got like that awesome promo digipack thing, which is out there, but I think they only made a few hundred of them. But this album was always sold separately, so I'm scoring them, ranking them separately, the whole thing. So, Usual Illusion 2 does come in here at number 41. That being said, if you know anything about scoring an album the way I score it, getting a zero on your album will massively hurt your standing in the ranking. And I think we all know why Use Your Illusion 2 is this low. If only my world wasn't on it. And yeah, it's barely a song and maybe I shouldn't even count it. But I did, because that's just the way it is. It got a big fat zero. And, you know, there's a handful of other songs that are just kind of, ah, you know. So overall, 2 is the weaker of the two Use Your Illusion albums, in my opinion. But once again, there are some amazing songs in here. Yes, Civil War was not intended for Use Your Illusion, but I'm glad it's on there. It's a great track. It's epic. I never get tired of it. Of course, You Could Be Mine. Who doesn't love that song? I mean, good God, man. Estranged, another epic. Saw it live recently, and it was fucking awesome. I even love Locomotive, stuff like that. Uh, there's stuff like Shotgun Blues and Pretty Tied Up, the and the alternate version of Don't Cry. None of this needs to happen. Getting the ring I liked when I was 12, 13, whatever. But it, it hasn't aged well. It just comes off as like, well, you don't have to do that. Why are you doing that? But everything else is badass. 14 years. I could go on. 
Uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play this one. Now, I put it to a few friends of the show and real close friends of mine that I trust. And I was like, I either want to play Locomotive or Breakdown. And everybody that I asked said Locomotive. And I appreciate your opinion. But I think just to kind of spotlight the... Honestly, I think the peak of Axel's experimentation uh, is is in Breakdown. And, and, you know, of course, November Rain, Estranged, all these aforementioned songs, Civil War, big epics, big, huge rock songs. They get played on the radio like every day. Maybe Estranged doesn't, but you understand what I'm saying. But to me, Breakdown is just the epitome of like, wow, it's really far out there. So in that way, I kind of dig it. It's a weird-ass song, but... I dig it. I like it more now than when I first heard it for sure. So that's the song I'm going to use to represent Use Your Illusion 2. That's hard to say without like screwing it up or just sounding like I just have no proper speech pattern. But anyway, yes, closing off the show here tonight. Strap yourselves in for the absolute absurd seven minutes of Breakdown. Here you go.
Closing off the show here tonight, coming in at number 41 of the top 60 albums of 1991, Thanks My World. Yes, that was Breakdown by Guns N' Roses from Use Your Illusion, Volume 2, Number 2. It's actually just Use Your Illusion 2, not Volume or Number. I don't know why I said that. But we are on Volume 2 of the Part 6 of the Rock Strikes 10, Rocket Rank, Super Spectacular Top Albums of 1991. Hope you're enjoying this so far. I'm sure you have your opinions, as I do as well, of course. Uh, Feel free to send them over to me. And we'll be back with part three sooner than later, just in a couple of days. I'm just going to let this one breathe for a few days. Put the next one out, because i got a lot of shows to do for the rest of the year. And let's find some time to do them, shall we? Okay, anyway, till then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, and the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, our new kittens Ruby and Ripley get a treat. We're on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going back all the way to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Talking Rock with Joey and the great Mark Streakle of Talking Metal. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRusa and occasionally Joey. Last but not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRusa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.